Kevin Markwick. Oakfield FM. Cooper from um, Star is Born, wasn't it? Yes. Well, this is going well already. 
Hello, it's Kevin Markwick here, free from the shackles of the 1970s, finally. And what I'm going to do is uh, do a trawl through 2018. Most of the best of 2018. I've seen a lot of films, but I haven't seen them all. And I've seen some very good ones and some not very good ones. But we're kind of, again, going to look at it through the lens of my favourites and the box office favourites. In Uckfield, that is. Where else is there that's important? Uh, so, actually, that was A Star Is Born, which is slightly out of order, but I needed something a bit punchy to start the show. Which is actually, let's have a look, is our eighth highest grossing film of the year in Uckfield. How that compares nationally, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure those numbers are out yet. Anyway, we've got lots of really good stuff for you. I, Tonya. Shape of Water, Isle of Dogs, Funny Cow, Happy Prince, Mission Impossible, some Abba, reluctantly, and all sorts of interesting stuff. And I'm really winging it and making it up as I go along tonight. So we're going to start in January which I guess is the best place to start, really, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, directed by Martin McDonough. Um, and it got the best actress, didn't it, for Frances McDormand? And Woody Harrelson didn't get an Oscar, although he was nominated. Sam Rockwell was also nominated and didn't get an Oscar. And it was a fine film, and actually the ninth biggest film of the year in Uckfield. So, Star is Born 8... Three billboards, nine. So I'll play you some of uh, Carter Burwell's rather wonderful music. Uh, this is called, what's it called? It's called Billboards on Fire, funnily enough.
billboards on fire from Carter Burwell's score for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, our ninth biggest film of the year, which was universally acclaimed, then universally decried, then universally acclaimed again. I think it's one of those, there's no pleasing some people, is there? Um, efforts. Uh, and also, um, it's that strange thing of a, that it was claimed as a British film. You know, which is a bit cheeky. I guess it was financed by British... Um, is it Film 4, was it? Is it Film 4? Probably the BFI. I don't know. What do I know? Um, which seems to be happening quite a lot at the moment. British filmmakers going to America and making American films with British money. Can someone explain to me how that is uh, a properly allowed thing? OK, you're listening to Kevin Marquick. I'm go- it's a bit of a trot, actually, because I've got an awful lot to pack in in the next two hours. And uh, as usual, if I try and run to time, it's going to fall horribly flat on its face. But if you have been to the pictures this year and you've seen something that you really, really liked, uh, please do get in touch with the show at Kevin Markwick on Twitter or there's a Facebook page, uh, The Kevin Markwick Show. You can even email the studio while we're live, um, studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk. Or if you're listening to the podcast, I'm, you know, I'm the easily... The most easy person to find in Uckfield. <laughs> I'm the most easy person to find anywhere. So uh, what's next? Darkest Hour. Oh, yes. Uh, which is actually our second highest grossing film of the year. Uh, that came out in January, directed by Joe Wright. Uh, and really, it's uh, the Gary Oldman show, wasn't it, really? Um, that extraordinary makeup, which you could just see in his eye. You could see it was Gary Oldman in his eyes, but the rest of him... You know, and it was a it was a perfectly uh, pitched performance. Really, it gave us the sort of Churchill we want to see. Really, and I do understand that it probably is wildly inaccurate, but I think it was true to the spirit of the story, and uh, it works uh, remarkably well and remarkably cinematic, actually. And this is the uh, probably the scene that caused the most outrage amongst the picky amongst you, which um, is the scene where. Churchill decides to go down into the underground and try to work out how to get to the uh, how to get to Westminster on the district line, and it seems to take him forever, given that it's only one stop, and there's lots of uh, cockney sparrows down there. God blimey, Governor, don't you give in to that Mr. Hitler now, will you? It was a cheeky scene, but again, I think that's okay because it was in the spirit of the of the way the film was made. Anyway, this is um, Dario Marinelli's. Uh, music from The Darkest Hour. It's a queue called District Line East One Stop.
Dario Marinelli's score from uh, The Darkest Hour, which won Gary Oldman his Oscar as old Winston Churchill. Other notable films in January include, or not notable, uh, Coco from Pixar, which was okay. It wasn't their greatest moment. It had some nice, it was colourful, nice to look at, did okay business. Uh, the Post, directed by Steven Spielberg, of course, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, giving it uh, their worthy allness. Uh, January is always just too overcrowded. As a cinema owner, January is very, very difficult to get right because they all release their um, awards-baiting films at the same time, and it drives us all nuts. If they spread them all out a bit, we'd all be better off. Uh, and the disappointment of the year, actually downsizing uh, Alexander Payne, of whom I am a huge fan, but downsizing, let's face it, was pretty awful. Um, Matt Damon and uh, Kirsten Wig, not very good at all. When they shrink them down and ugh. an early man, actually, which was a mild disappointment, I have to say, given it was the first Aardman to be directed by Nick Park for some time. But that was January, so we'll take a break, and when we come back, blimey, it's February already. Hot taste, thrills in one, top of chocolate sundae, it's new, crispy hazelnuts, milky chalk, then dairy ice cream, and a super centre with a toffee taste, top of chocolate sundae, on sale now. Yeah. 
Gone Daddy Gone, the Violent Femmes. Uh, as used in I, Tonya. The first film from January and the first film, actually, uh, that I've got on my list of top ten films of the year. Not that it means anything, you know, but these are the ten films that I liked the best. I didn't see anything and, uh, you know, it's entirely right that you have a completely different list. Well, not entirely right. But uh, I, Tonya, directed by Craig Gillespie and completely dominated by two performances, uh, two extraordinary performances. Margot Robbie as Tonya Harding, the um, ice skater who gets involved uh, and her sort of redneck boyfriend who kneecaps <laughs> her um, closest rival. It's an absolutely true story, but it's it's told in a um, really um, convincing way. Uh, Alison Janey won the Oscar as the acerbic, pushy, self-serving totally unrepentant mother with a pet parrot on her shoulder um i mean this it's, it's one of those stories that's uh, actually just as uh, the, the 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 true life story is just as absurd as the film and it uh, it works brilliantly so on to uh, the next one in february which uh, is the phantom thread directed by paul thomas anderson and daniel d lewis in his last role apparently do you believe that he didn't get the oscar so that would have made, what, three Oscars? Maybe four, I don't know. We call him Daniel Day Oscar in our house. But he was certainly very good in it. But again, the best performances uh, were from Leslie Man uh, Manville as his sister and uh, Vicky Creeps, who's from Luxembourg, which is apparently Luxembourgish. The only uh, the, the Oscar it did win is uh, Best Costume Design. Um, and it's a beautiful film a totally beautiful film it's sort of lush and wonderful yet at the same time has this extraordinary nervous dark undercurrent particularly in the last act the final scene i guess i can't give it away but the final scene i think is one of the best things in cinema in 2018 it you kind of it makes perfect sense yet at the same time it's really disturbing and the music we have, in fact it's the first uh, track we're going to have tonight from Johnny Greenwood who seems to be getting better and better at uh, film scores but this one's called uh, House of Woodcock and it's brilliant <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, I think he's definitely getting better and better. Johnny Greenwood's music from Paul Thomas Anderson's exquisite feature film, uh, Phantom Thread, which is uh, as exacting and as perfect as the um, as the uh, uh, people that it portrays. You know, the, the, the all of the hard work and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the um, uh, it's to, to make clothes. <laughs> I can't think of the word. It's gone out of my head. This, again, is why I have to write things down. Anyway, it's a perfect, almost a perfect film. Is there such a thing as the perfect film? What's the perfect film? Groundhog Day, is that the perfect film? Let me know, at Kevin Markwick, what the perfect film is. At Kevin Markwick on Twitter or on the Facebook page. Do get in touch with the show, let me know what you think. Uh, That Phantom Thread actually is the second of tonight's uh, films in our mad dash through 2018 that I have in my top ten. Precise is the word I was looking for. It's as, the film is as precise as the people in the film have to be when they're making these clothes. That's what's so wonderful about it and the way it's shot. Um, so moving on to Shape of Water, which I didn't put in my top ten. Sorry, Guillermo. Uh, although it did win the Best Picture Oscar. I just didn't quite feel as moved by it as I felt I should be. Maybe I'd had a funny breakfast, I don't know, when I saw it. I did see it again and kind of felt the same way. It's beautifully made and to be admired, for sure. Um, And Sally Hawkins' performance is wonderful. And Michael Shannon is doing Michael Shannon. (laughs) And, um, And yes, but I did like the score very much by, um, what's his face, Alexandre de Platt, which I believe, did that win the Oscar? I'll check and let you know.
Alexandre Desplat, Desplat, Desplat. Let's call the whole thing off. His score for Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro's film, which won Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Score. Which is still in February. I've put uh, actually, I've got I've got one of them in the wrong order. <laughs> I wasn't feeling well yesterday when I put this together. What can I tell you? Um, other films to mention in February are Lady Bird, which we'll be having something uh, from that later. Uh, Journey's End, which was wonderful. Saul Dibb's uh, adaptation of R.C. Sheriff's film, uh, R.C. Sheriff's play about the uh, trenches, World War One. That was rather wonderful. Um, uh, featuring two great performances, Sam Claffin and Paul Bettany. And also one to mention uh, that we didn't run in upfield, sadly. Loveless, Andre Zvag is near... Oh, I knew I was going to get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> My Russian's rubbish. Uh, Andre Zvagiznev's, oh, that'll do. It's Cannes winning film. Um, masterly, masterly bleak, it was described as. It is quite an extraordinary thing, um, which you should see if you can. And obviously, Black Panther was the big one in that month, which I thought was a big old yawn fest. But what do I know? Um, we'll have a break, and when we come back, uh, oh, one of my films of the year. Now's the time for ice cream. Now, now, now. Now's the time for ice cream. Now, now, now. Cool, cool ice cream. Now's the time for ice cream. Have some now. Yeah. 
so it goes on. Bobby McFerrin, he's very good at that. He's not like those annoying blokes that stand outside tube stations. Blowing raspberries into microphones. Uh, now, that has a very swanky name called Improvis Improvisatio Number 1. And it was used in um, Ruben Osterlund's extraordinary film The Square, which uh, one can the year before, but it takes a while for these things to get around sometimes. Again, just putting in my apath, I think if a film wins can, then really uh, that's when all its publicity is. Although that's debatable as well. I mean, if I went down the high street and tapped anyone on the shoulder and said, excuse me, do you know who just won the Palm Door at Cannes? Uh, I don't think anybody would know, if we're honest. It's a bit of a Guardian reading bubble thing. Um, but it was, um, I loved it. It's a satire of the art world. Uh, Slightly overburdened with ideas, but more challenging and hilariously funny than anything coming out of mainstream cinema. And a scene with the guy pretending to be the ape in the uh, in the dining hall, which just goes on and on and on and on. It's one of the most uncomfortable things you'll ever see in cinema. And it is uh, the next one on my list of films of the year. And the next one along is also uh, one of my films of the year. Isle of Dogs. Uh, Wes Anderson's animated feature about this doggy dystopia now i'm not usually a big fan of this kind of thing but done by wes anderson it's deadpan and funny and again very very precise like all wes anderson films and the voice talents you know they've been directed within an inch of their life brian cranston ed norton bill murray scarlett johansson tilda swinton the cast is uh, is very very long and it's just just wonderful um and it played in Uckfield, uh, didn't do especially well, I don't think. I'm not sure how it did well nationally, but uh, I can highly recommend it. And this uh, gets our old friend, Alexandra Desplat, and this is the uh, end titles. Thank you. 
Alexo Alex oh, do you know? I should have put my teeth in. Alexandra de Platt. Des Platt. Des Platt. I don't know. I've never met him. His music from Isle of Dogs. Uh, another one on my list of films of the year. Wes Anderson's very precise animation. Deadpan. Hilariously funny. Um... Now, next up, A Quiet Life, which nearly made my top ten films of the year. But not quite. Um, bubbling under. <laughs> bubbling under, mate. As they used to say on Top of the Pops back in the olden days, when there was Top of the Pops. Um, Marco Beltrami's music from A Quiet Life, which um, was, I mean, was it a horror film? Kind of was. It sort of... It's it, it straddled thriller and horror, didn't it? I mean, there were moments of absolute horror, the bit with the nail sticking up in the a, um, in the stairs as uh, the, she's going down into the cellar, Ooh, and the bit in the bath where she's about to give birth, and just tense, tense beyond tenseness. The story of uh, a world that's been invaded by aliens uh, who use sound to find you, which meant that you can't make any sound at all. Or they will hear you, which is a bit of a nightmare if you're pregnant and just about to have a baby, because um, you're gonna make a bit of a noise and have three other children as well. Um, and it was directed by uh, Krasinski, wasn't it? Yes, John Krasinski, who was the guy in the American Office. Remember him? And he's in other he's sort of beefy roles he has now, uh, and uh, starring uh, Emily Blunt as well, who I believe they're married. Um, yes, they are. And she was just fantastic in it, really, really fantastic. And it is the most tense, edge-of-the-seat stuff. I hear they're doing a sequel, which seems a bit disappointing because one of the things that was impressive about it was it was 90 minutes, it got in, got out, told its story, thank you very much. And that's all it needed to do, I guess, because it did so very well. Inevitably, we were going to have a sequel, uh, which is a shame. I guess like Jaws 2, everyone ignores it, don't they, really? It doesn't really count. There's Jaws and then that's it. The others are just silly nonsenses you don't need to take any notice of. Unless he comes up with something good, of course. Um, one of the sort of side effects it did seem to have this film was it made people very, very quiet at the cinema because there's really long passages of no noise at all. And because the characters are desperately trying to be quiet... Uh, it has that effect as well, you know. Suddenly people feel guilty about rummaging through their popcorn. Which can only be a positive thing. Anyway, here's some of the music from it. Uh, Marco, Marco Beltrami, uh, and this is called A Quiet Life from um, the film, which is called A Quiet Place. Thank you. 
A Quiet Life, uh, Marco Beltrami's score from A Quiet Place, which uh, is very, very good, and uh, it should be seen in the cinema, really, but I guess it's too late for that now. Um, now, the film that edged it out for me, when I'm going sort of pouring over my list like some nerdo, um, was You Were Never Really Here, directed by probably, I don't know, uh, if not... If one of the best, if not the best directors in the UK at the moment, Lynn Ramsey. And it's her, again, pared down to the bone film about, um, uh, well, he's like a high, is he a hired killer? I'm not entirely sure. He's certainly a very violent man with a very violent and disturbed past that uh, is detailed to go and rescue a young girl from a, um, well, um, an abusive uh, place where uh, men go to abuse young girls. It's not very, it's not very nice, but it again is just so efficient, and the filmmaking is so spot on that it becomes uh, it draws you into this uh, maelstrom of this this man's mind and uh, is perfectly. Even though the narrative isn't um, explained on the nose, you understand exactly what's going on. It's it's just. Uh, absolutely amazing. I saw it actually for the first time a few days ago and it really is quite something. This is no way to review films, is it? To keep going, I'm really great. It's really great, mate. <laughs> I should be more articulate about these things, shouldn't I? But I've got no one here to talk to about it. I'd probably be better if I did. Um, and also the score is by uh, Johnny Greenwood again and this is called Tree Strings.
I really want to play you more of that. But I witter on like a simple-minded horse and I, I haven't got time to get everything in. Ah. Do you know, when I started this process, I thought there's really not much this year, but as I've gone back through it, there actually was a wealth of really good stuff if you knew where to find it. And this from You Were Never Really Here, uh, also in my top 10 films of the year. Lynn Ramsey's quite unique film. Actually, it's not that unique. I think that's what makes it clever, is that the story itself is we've seen a million times before, in a sort of a way, but it's done in the most original way, and that's actually what makes... Because uh, most films have already been made before. It's just how you make them now. What you can bring to it. So I've got to have a break now, and when we come back, another one of my films of the year. Oh, my goodness, it's too much to bear. Get with it, young man, get in the swing. All the ice cream is that cool zing. So make the evening a regular ball. Get the refreshment that's got it all. Cool man like ice cream. Get yours now. She's a funny cow. Always acts the clown. To all those faces in dark places So many rain-gray towns But any second now She'll bring down the house She's a funny cow She's a funny cow See her take a bow Stages that she graces so much bigger now And by any means how She'll bring down this house She's a phony cow Now she'll never play those haunted music halls again Something better's coming and it's just around the bend She will not forget her roots Or where it all began One click of those ruby slippers And she's home again She's a funny cow Who's laughing now? 
Funny Cow, Richard Hawley. As used in the film, Funny Cow, funnily enough. Uh, starring Maxine Peake. Giving a powerhouse performance. It's one of two films this year where actually I could have done with more and I don't say that very often about films. It's like there was just a sort of teensy bit missing in the middle that I'd love to have seen. When she, go, when she bursts out and, and finally gets to do her proper stand-up routine that's really her. And then all of a sudden she's sort of famous and, and, and jaded. I just would have liked to see a little bit more of the bit in the middle. But it stayed with me for days afterwards. And I think Maxine Peake could well pick up a few awards, hopefully. I'll vote for you, dear. Now, uh, I mentioned Lady Bird earlier. Oh, and Funny Cow is one of my ten films of the year, by the way. Yeah, I had to get that in. Um, Lady Bird, which was um, directed by Greta Gerwig and was a really sweet and well-meaning film about uh, growing up in, well, what an America would call a sort of small town. <laughs> I think it's the, ca- isn't it not the capital of, uh, uh, the state capital of California, isn't it? It was set, um, thingy. <laughs> A bigger town than Uckfield. That's all we need to know. Um, and featuring a, a great central performance from uh, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, Rohan Ronan. Um, who was basically Greta Gerwig. I mean, the voice that she was coming out with was Greta Gerwig's voice. But um, tremendous amount of fun. Didn't quite make my top ten. Sorry, everyone. Uh, but the music was great fun. And I'll give you a little burst of it by uh, John Brion.
John Brion score for Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's directorial debut. And a fine one it was too. Now, I've not been keeping you up to date, have I? So we went through March, um, The Square, Isle of Dogs, never really here. Uh, other films to mention, Peter Rabbit was in March. Uh, let's face it, a pretty ropey film. However, it came in at number four, would you believe, in the Upfield box office top 10 of the year. Uh, and then there was, oh, Unsane, which was interesting. Not as good as it should be. Uh, the comeback film from Steven Soderbergh. And then there was the sort of wonky great Ready Player One, directed by Steven Spielberg which I thought suffered slightly from him not embracing his own Spielberginess, because I believe the book had a lot more references to him, but because he was directing it, he took a lot of them out, which kind of seemed pointless to me. I mean, it was, you know, impressive, big things hitting each other as usual. Um, I guess it would have been better in 3D. No, nothing's better in 3D. But it was a teeny bit underwhelming, not least old makeup Simon Pegg. That was just embarrassing. And then we went through April, Quiet Place, Funny Cow, uh, Ghost Stories, uh, which should get an honourable mention, Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson's um, story, which was had been a huge hit in the theatre and transferred to film reasonably successfully, but went out against A Quiet Place. <laughs> so suffered. And with the, my, my business acumen, I booked the wrong one, of course, but there you go. And then uh, film number 10, actually, in the Uckfield top, uh, top 10 of the year, box office wise the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society there's not many films where that's in the top 10 uh, not many cinemas where that's in the top 10 I tell you god you're all weirdos out there anyway oh and then the Avengers of course <sighs> Infinity War Infinity is the right word will they ever stop make it stop actually again as a cinema owner I shouldn't say make it stop should I because they take a lot of money although actually what was Avengers for us? It was uh, number uh, number seven in our top ten of the year. I believe it's the biggest box office hit in uh, in the UK this year. I might be wrong, but I believe it's the biggest film. Just the same old, same old, isn't it? Big things hitting each other. I don't know. I don't get it. But uh, there's another one on the way, and another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. So that was up to April, uh, and then we're in May. Uh, so what I'm going to do is uh, On Chesil Beach, which I liked, actually, based on the book by Ian McEwan, set in 1962, which is a bit depressing, as that's the year I was born, and now it's a period piece, uh, featuring uh, fine performances from uh, Saoirse Ronan and the other bloke, <laughs> who I didn't look up. Which is really... I don't remember that bit. Have you seen it? I don't know. But that bit at the end of the film where he, the very old him, goes and sits... Well, not the very old, but the much older him goes to see the much older her. I don't remember that being in the book, but the book was very, uh, very, very short. Uh, and I thought rather good. And the closing shot with the beach, where the um, tracking shot is just... Uh, uh, and the sort of distance between them increases even though they're not moving. That's very, very clever. Uh, and the music was rather nice and kind of English by... Um, who was it by? It was by uh, Dan Jones with Esther Yu on uh, violin.
That's called A Walk in the Meadow by Dan Jones featuring SDU on violin uh, from On Chesil Beach, a rather, I thought, neglected uh, adaptation of Ian McEwan's novelette. Uh, and Billy Howell was the was the guy that was in it. He was very good. Um, I think, uh, if you'll forgive me, it, the date it went out wasn't good. I mean, May, a film like that is always going to struggle in May to get an audience, I think. I think the audience for that film are probably thinking about other things. Or probably about the noise coming from Avengers Infinity War on the other screen. I don't know. So that was it for May, really. Uh, Tully, Jason Reitman's film with Charlie Theron, which I know some of you liked. I found it a bit annoying. I always get annoyed when really beautiful actresses kind of dowdy it down. I always think it's a bit, you know, there are plenty of other actresses that could play the part. And um, Charlotte Gnomes, which was a disappointment in the end. Deadpool 2, which was okay. Not bad, quite funny. Uh, and Solo, which was an unmitigated disaster, I thought. Um, horrible, dull, dark, unnecessary film. Too much Star Wars. So what are we going to do next? Oh, scary film. We're into June. Hereditary, which is on my list of films of the year. A totally scary film. Um, and Ari Aster, who directed it, was his debut film. But it's a, it belongs entirely to Tony Collette. Her performance just... Oh. And also, um, Millie Shapiro was equally terrifying as the young girl with the... <coughs> making the noises. Um... She actually originated the role of Matilda on Broadway, can you believe? But I think it's got to be the scariest film I've seen in a very, very long time. I sat... I did because I've got a cinema. I'm kind of lucky. I'm, I ran it to myself. <laughs> and uh, I was sort of shouting, going, Oh, no, what? Ah! Put my hands on my head at one point, going, No! Um, and, yeah, really kind of tingly, creepy horrible feeling it leaves you with it's a really uh, accomplished piece of horror and this is uh, from the soundtrack uh, by uh, Colin Stetson and it's called Reborn
Yowza, that's good. Uh, Colin Stetson's music from Hereditary. I don't know anything about him. I just looked him up. Uh, he's a regular collaborator, apparently. He's a saxophonist and multi-readist. Mm. Uh, with uh, indie rock acts, Arcade Fire, Boniver, Bell Orchestra and XI. Mm. But, yeah, that's almost as scary as the, scary as the film itself. Uh, one of my films of the year, Hereditary. Uh, and when we come back, um, well, I've got a decision to make. Kevin Markwick. That's a bingo. <laughs> Can you hear the drums from Mango? I remember long ago another starry night like this. Yep. Yeah, I, do. I can hear the drums, Fernando. I really, really can, but there's only so much of this I can take. I do appreciate I shouldn't be so sniffy. I do appreciate that. But this is my trawl through 2018. And you know what? I have to mention Mamma Mia because it's done us very well, thank you and is our number one film of the year by quite some margin. And when you have to hear it four times a day for eight weeks, it can slightly jaundice your view of it. So, you know, have a little sympathy. So what I'm going to do is fade that out, and I'm going to actually play something else, because I was going to play it before the break, but I ran out of time. Um, one of my films of the year, uh, the horribly underrated The Happy Prince, um, written, directed, and starring Rupert Everett, and it basically is the uh, tells the story of the end of the life of Oscar Wilde, uh, told with you know genuine love and genuine um, flair. In actual fact, um, Rupert Everett's performance is wonderful. Colin Firth is great, um, and unfortunately, it got it just got completely missed. Nobody really came to see it, to be honest. So you had all those people come to see Mamma Mia, but nobody came to see The Happy Prince. I don't know. If I knew the answer, I'd be a happy man. And the score was lovely too. Um, this is by Gabriel Yared.
Gabriel Yared's score from The Happy Prince, one of the most underrated films of the year, I think. It deserved a lot better all round. Um, it's Kevin Markwick. It's Monday night, uh, Uckfield FM. We're on a sort of galloping whistle-stop tour through uh, the best of 2018, or at least what I think is the best anyway. And my view's quite jaundiced, let's face it. Um, so where does that leave us? Let's have a look. We've done May, June, we did Hereditary, Happy Prince, Ocean's 8. Meh. Should have been better than it was. Uh, and Sicario 2, which actually you had no right to expect anything of and wasn't too bad. Um, it was quite entertaining. I mean, it bore little relation ultimately to Sicario. Uh, but, you know, there you go. But And I'm not a total curmudgeon when it comes to mainstream cinema. I'm really not. I mean, uber mainstream cinema. Most of my taste is pretty mainstream. But, they, you know, the Marvel stuff leaves me cold. But this one I quite liked. souped-up, testosterone-fueled version of Lalo Schifrin's uh, Mission Impossible theme from Mission Impossible Fallout, which was all right. I quite enjoyed it. It was a bit too long, but they all are. Uh, Tom Cruise breaking his leg. <laughs> Break a leg, Tom. Oh, I didn't mean it. Uh, running along the top of something, wasn't he? Um, what's the museum thing? You know, the um, uh, Tate Modern, I believe. Uh, Henry Cavill was good. There was this bit where he, he like, loads his arms. You remember he goes chunk, chunk, like that in that fight in the bathroom? It's mental. And Rebecca Ferguson, who I think should have a film of her own, actually. I think her character... And now that I'd like to see uh, with her as a character on her own without having to sort of simper around after the other blokes. Because I think she's a really good character. And Sean Harris, who he's really good and evil in it. Uh, and tremendous fun. And... Um, 
just went a bit too far at the end, I thought. You know, the helicopter bit. It was like there was a set piece too many. Because yeah, I know it's all ridiculous, but then it gets to the point where it's so ridiculous, I think it ceases to become funny. Uh, not funny, uh, thrilling. Because it's just, oh, well, there you go. Helicopter. Oh, look, he's, he's catching a helicopter. Um, and that was July, really. So we've done June. July, first reformed is worth mentioning in July. That was very good. Paul Schrader's film uh, with um, the fella, with your man. Ethan Hawke, uh, about the priest who's going to set off a bomb. Oh, no, let's set off a bomb. And Incredibles 2, which did very well, I believe, is, in, is that in our top ten? Incredibles 2, top ten films of the year. Yes, it's number five. Um, it was good, but I guess it didn't have the sort of surprise, did it, of the first one? didn't have the delightful surprise the first one had. Incredibles is, is one of my favourite Pixar movies, if not my favourite. And then uh, Mamma Mia, of course, the number one film of the year. Spitfire is worth mentioning. Beautiful film about um, the aircraft with some extraordinary aerial photography. And then Mission Impossible and Apostasy, which I haven't seen yet. And I feel really bad. I haven't seen that. I'm going to try and see that this week. Which brings us to August already. And another one of my films of the year, uh, Black Klansman.
Blood and Soil from Spike Lee's film uh, Black Klansman, which is in my top ten films of the year. Uh, I got mixed reviews when it came out. I think it's one of those things that, uh, particularly with um, emotive issues like uh, racial discrimination and race equality, that you're just never going to please everybody who's got a sort of vested, in, well, not vested interest, but... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, it's just, it can never be right on enough or it can never be... Uh, and it's Spike Lee. I'm not going to argue with Spike Lee. He knows way more about this stuff than I as a as a white man do. So, uh, and I thought by the, actually the end, the last uh, few minutes was very, very moving indeed um, when it sort of comes up to and shows the modern, modern day uh, demonstrations and things. And yeah, the... Um, White guys are a bit one-dimensional, but not all of them. And um, I think they're. I think I think it's allowed, don't you? In this instance, okay. So we will have a break, I believe. And uh, oh yes, <laughs> this uh, was it. Third biggest film of the year when we come back. Kevin Markwick, one hundred and five, Uckfield FM. You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. She keeps them always shunned in a pretty cabinet. Let them be case, she says, just like Marie Antoinette. A building a remedy for Chris Job and Kennedy. At any time, an invitation you can't decline. Caviar and cigarettes, well versed in etiquette. Extraordinarily nice. She's a killer queen, got that agility. She never kept the same address In conversation She spoke just like a baroness Middleman from China With time to get your mind up Then again incidentally Choose a killer queen Because she couldn't care less Fastidious and precise She's a killer queen Gunpowder gelatine Dynamite with a laser beam Guaranteed to blow your mind
I have a terrible thing to admit. I've not actually seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet. It's been busy. I will get around to seeing it. Honestly, I've seen bits of it. What I've seen of it looks okay. Looks a bit, the band approved this message, as uh, we say in the office. But, um, you know, bit of a hagiography. But, hey, it's taken an absolute blinking fortune. It is our number... Let's have a look. Yes, our number three film of the year. And it's not over yet, actually, because it's still playing. Um, featuring uh, a remarkable performance, actually, uh, by... What's his pants? <laughs> I want to say Riyad Mahrez, but he plays for Leicester. Oh, no, he doesn't. He plays for Man City. Oh, man, my brain's all over the place. Um, oh, where is it? I haven't written it down. What's his name? No, I didn't write it down. Oh, here we go. Bo Rap. Our number three film of the year. Director Brian Singer. Uh, although he was fired, wasn't he? And I believe it was finished by Dexter Fletcher. I might be wrong. Rami Malek. I wasn't far out. I'm not sure why I put that one in there, because that's sort of a bit late. So, where are we? August. And, uh, oh, uh, The Heiresses. That's one I wanted to mention. Uh, that's a wonderful film. Um, Paraguayan film. I saw it in Berlin. I think it was released over here. Anna Brunn and Margarita Irun is the sort of ageing ex, um, you know, the, uh, the wealthy family fallen on hard times, the pair of them. Uh uh, it's yes, yeah, impossible to describe. So I'll move on. But anyway, if you come across the heiresses, have a look at it. Uh, and the next one is one of my films of the year, Cold War, uh, directed by uh, Pavel Palakowski. I knew it. I'm, I'm as bad with Polish as I am with Russian. Um, again, it's one of the films that I just wanted a little bit more. And... Part of its charm, and well, part of its skill, sorry, charm is completely the wrong word for this film, part of its skill is that it tells the story by omission, which is quite brilliant. Uh, you completely understand the story by the things that you haven't seen because it jumps forward in time in, in great big chunks. Uh, it's, a, it's a love story um, set in... Uh, Poland, uh, in the backdrop of the Cold War, and... Um, Joanna Kulig is quite brilliant as the uh, singer who gets out of Poland and then goes back to Poland again. And this sort of great love they have for each other, which is both destructive and uh, in the end kind of finishes them off. Um, Thomas Cott is also very good. I didn't fully understand the end, if I'm honest. And this is not a long film. It's like 89 minutes or something. I just wanted them to tell me a little bit more at the end. It was clearly a little bit above my head. <laughs> Which happens more often than you than, than you might imagine. Or perhaps you wouldn't. Anyway, um, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce what this track is called, because it's in Polish. Perhaps there's any Poles out there, you could perhaps give me a hand. But it's the jazz part of the film, which is just wonderful. Dwa serduszka, cztery oczy Zapłakały we dnie w nocy Oj, oj, oj 
się spotkać nie możecie, że się spotkać nie możecie. Mnie matura zakazała, ojoj, żebym chłopca nie kochała, ojoj, a ja chłopca chaps za szyję będę kochać póki żyję, będę kochać. Joanna Kulig uh, singing in uh, Pavel Polakowski's <laughs> uh, extraordinary film, Cold War. Um, right, so I'm all over the show here, actually. Let's have a look at the list of glory. Um, ah, the next one, yes, is First Man, which didn't make... I'm, I'm crestfallen, it didn't make my top ten. I really, really, really wanted this to be in my top films of the year. And it's up there. But um, I don't know. There was something, and I love Apollo films. I was Apollo mad when I was a kid. I can happily sit through Apollo 13, which is not the greatest film ever made, but it's got spaceships and Apollo in it and the right stuff. We love the right stuff, but there was something about this film that was a little cold. I understand, and, and I just felt that we didn't know any more about Neil Armstrong leaving than we did going in, which I guess is actually part of the thing, is that um, he remained a fairly uh, aloof character. And Ryan Gosling plays him very aloofly. Uh, but the spacecraft sequences are amazing. And it's the first time you get a real sense that, uh, particularly in Gemini, that it was a bucket of bolts, literally held together with rivets. And the sort of shaking and the, the terrifying immediacy of what they were doing. But I just wanted to love it more. It was like Apollo 13 meets Tree of Life. <laughs> I thought the family sequences were trying too hard to be uh, a bit avant No, I thought they weren't avant-garde at all, but I don't know. There was something about it. I'm going to have another look at it at the weekend because I really, really wanted to love this film to teeny tiny bits, and it was too long. But um, this is called The Landing, and the music is, of course, by um, uh, Justin Hurwitz, who'd done the music for La La Land. Um, um, What's his fans? The director. <laughs> Damien Chazelle's previous film, La La Land. In fact, I think he's done the music for all his films. But this is called The Landing from First Man.
Justin Hurwitz score from First Man, Damien Chazelle's film about Neil Armstrong. And landing on the moon. I so wanted to love this film. Like, I wanted to love it to tiny, tiny bits. I'm going to give it another go. I'm going to make myself love this film to tiny bits. Actually, I have to say, if you want to see, I think, a definitive, um, well, for me, definitive version of the Apollo missions on film... There's an HBO TV series called From the Earth to the Moon. Which is really worth uh, seeking out. There is no Blu-ray, unfortunately. It's only on DVD. But it's very, very good. And it takes you all the way sort of through Gemini, all the way up to Apollo 17. And the Apollo 11 episode's very good. feel really bad now okay so the final one of my films of the year coming up um this is steve mcqueen's film widows the heist movie which was effectively a remake of an itv tv series from the 1990s but given a um a whole new uh burst of life uh set in chicago now instead of like penge or wherever the other one was set um and it's just i think it's my film of the year um, some of the reviews are a bit mixed, which I didn't fully understand or fully embrace it. I just think it's exactly what I want from cinema in that it it's an art house mainstream film in that it has an art house sensibility, but is a is a thrilling heist movie that's totally absorbing to watch with real characters and the performances are just just wonderful, uh, particularly. Um, uh, Viola Davis, uh, who's trying to um, put together the heist that her dead partner was going to do. And Elizabeth Debicki was a revelation, absolute revelation. Um, she was very good in The Night Manager, but she was sort of, I think, to be honest, it was a bit decorative and that was sort of decorous. But in this, she goes through a real transformation of characters. She's they're just testament, actually, to Steve McQueen's direction, I think. Uh, the performance that he gets out of her. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty much my film of the year. And here is the music by... I was surprised to learn, actually, I didn't hadn't noticed when I was when I saw it, that it's by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> uh, and this is called Marcus.
Marcus, the track. A cue from uh, Hans Zimmer's score for Widows, which is pretty much my film of the year, I think. So we'll do some um, wrapping up 2018 uh, when we come back after the break. It was a bit of a trot, wasn't it? It was a bit of a race, actually. Could have done with a bit more time on it. Anyway, here's a break. Sunquash! Everyone goes for Sunquash. Oh, that's delicious. On sale now. Kevin Markwick. 105 Uckfield FM. He's more machine now than man. Twisted and evil. Uh, so that's my trawl through 2018. Uh, there were lots of films I didn't mention that I should have done, but I ran out of time. <laughs> Peterloo, uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. That was brilliant. Uh, that did very well. Uh, wildlife, yeah. Fantastic Beast, yeah. Suspiria, that's worth looking out for. Uh, Disobedience, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, and then upcoming, still to come, we've got uh, Mary Poppins, which is going to see the year out in superbly, hugely busy, phantasmagorical fashion. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll read you the top ten films in Uckfield this year. This is what you went to see in Uckfield. Uh, number ten was um, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Uh, number nine, Three Billboards. Number eight, A Star is Born. Uh, number seven, Avengers Infinity War. Number six, The Greatest Showman. Number five, Incredibles 2. And uh, then number four, Peter Rabbit. Number three... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody number two The Darkest Hour and number one by quite some margin was Mamma Mia Here We Go Again oh yes we did uh, now next week is my last show uh, and I'm hopefully going to have some guests with me and we're going to do Christmas films we're going to talk about films either set or about or that you watch at Christmas and I think we're going to have some fun so it's like the Kevin Markwick Christmas show what more could you want so I'm going to leave you actually with um, so please tune in for that and uh, hello podcasters good to hear from you it would be really good to hear from you I'm going to leave you with this from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs which is not allowed really because it was actually um, actually on Netflix but it's a Coen Brothers film and I really loved it. So I couldn't have put it in my top films of the year. That wouldn't have been allowed because it didn't go out in the cinema. But that's a whole other thing. From the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Let me tell you, buddy, Pastor Gun, coming over yonder when tomorrow comes. Let me tell you. I saw you. I see you all next week. I love you all. Bye. Long till you find yourself singing your last cowboy song. Yippee ki yay when the roundup ends. Yippee ki yay and the campfire dims. Yippee ki yay, he shouts and he sings when a cowboy trains. His spurs for wings When they wrap my body In the bin sheet 
And I take my six hands, pull the boots from my feet Unsaddle my pony, she'll be itching to roam I'll be halfway to heaven, under horsepower of my own Yippee-ki-yi-yi when the roundup ends Yippee-ki-yi-yi and the campfire dance Yippee-ki-yi-yi he shouts and he sings When a cowboy trades his spurs for wings Yippee-ki-yi-yi Cowboy trades his spurs for wings. 